what's happening in the world coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. Key dates for former President Trump, a trial date in D.C. and an arraignment date in Georgia. We bring you the latest from the ground. Could an impeachment inquiry soon be launched against President Biden? House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says it's a natural way forward that would give Congress the legal power it needs. Thousands of pilots are reportedly under investigation for lying about their medical conditions. Many may not be legally fit to fly. The mugshot seen around the world. How the first ever presidential mugshot is affecting the former president's campaign and the response from his supporters. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Our top news, a trial date has been set in the Justice Department's election subversion case against former President Trump. Joining us live is NTD's Iris Tao from outside of the federal courthouse in D.C. Iris, what's the latest there? Hey, good afternoon, Chris. So today, federal judge Tanya Chukin has set a trial date of March 4th in 2024 for the 2020 election case here in Washington, D.C. And that day, of course, is just one day before Super Tuesday, which is when 15 states will hold their primaries. And this is also just two months later than what the federal prosecutors have originally asked for. They were asking for a speedy trial and asked for a date in January 2024. But Trump's lawyers were arguing for a much later the trial date in April 2026, saying that they needed years to go through the documents presented to them to ensure a fair trial. So this morning, Trump's lawyers sparred with federal prosecutors at this federal courthouse right behind me over the issue of a trial date. And Trump's lawyers in their court filing said that if all the documents, which were more than 10 million pages presented to them by the Justice Department, if they were all printed out, it would amount to a tower eight times the height of the Washington Monument, meaning that it's a ton of materials that we have to read. But federal prosecutors fired back saying that it's not like, like they have to go through every single page of them and that some of the materials have already been presented to them much earlier. But of course, now we see that a federal judge, Tanya Chuckin, who is known for her harsh sentencing for January 6th defendants, and this morning has set the date for March in 2024, which is a lot earlier than what Trump's team would have wanted. And of course, Trump this morning on True Social has again decried what he called election interference about these indictments. Chris. Thank you for the updates, Iris. Seems like we'll see the trial happen in just a few months. And there are also some important developments from Trump's Georgia case. Can you tell us a bit about that? Of course, so this morning, um, the arraignment dates for Trump and his 18 co-defendants were set for next month, September 6th. And Trump is going to be arraigned at 9.30 a.m. in the morning, the first one among all the defendants. And of course, we know that Trump is expected to again plead not guilty like in the other cases at this arraignment. And of course, we'll see a lot of things unfold in the next weeks and months. Chris. Well, it sounds like Trump's calendar is filling up. Thank you for the updates, Iris. Biden's campaign speaking out on his opponent's legal troubles. Campaign co-chair Cedric Richmond says Trump's legal battles won't be a major focus of Biden's presidential run. Here's Richmond in an interview on ABC's This Week. Well, the president has said from the beginning that uh, he wanted an independent Justice Department, and we have to just that. So we're not going to comment. We're not going to focus on Donald Trump's legal problems. Uh, but what I will say about President Biden and Vice President Harris is that they have always focused on the American people. 
So they're going to continue to do their jobs of bringing down costs, uh, raising wages, uh, rebuilding the middle class from the bottom up and the middle out, bringing 13 million, creating 13 million jobs. Richmond was asked about Biden's recent fundraising pitch sent on Thursday around the time the Republican frontrunner was processed at an Atlanta jail on charges related to the 2020 election. The pitch said, apropos of nothing, I think today is a great day to give to my campaign. Richmond denied any connection, saying such emails go out multiple times a day. Meanwhile, the Trump campaign is seizing the opportunity to turn the Georgia booking into a multi-million dollar fundraising haul. His campaign wasted no time to put the image on a range of merchandise sold on its website. It reportedly raked in millions of dollars in a matter of days. A natural step forward. That's how House Speaker Kevin McCarthy described launching a possible impeachment inquiry into President Biden. This in light of the alleged evidence uncovered during recent investigations. Here's McCarthy discussing the issue on Fox News. That provides Congress the apex of legal power to get all the information they need. But now, when you look at this, it looks like a culture of corruption that's been happening within the entire Biden family. You've got to get the, to be able to answer that to the American public. The American public deserves that answer. Who's lying? What information went on? Who paid? McCarthy said last week that the inquiry was needed to overcome the stonewalling of congressional investigators. He says the goal is transparency about the Biden family's business records. This following testimony from Devin Archer about President Biden meeting with his son's business partners when he was vice president and concerns raised by IRS whistleblowers regarding Hunter Biden's tax records. Biden has repeatedly denied having participated in or having any knowledge of his family's business activities. Former President Trump still dominating headlines, this time with the $7 million he raised after his mugshot was taken. Commentators have said the mugshot has become a rallying cry for Trump supporters. Here to discuss is Roger Simon, director of the Presidential Roller Coaster 2024. Roger's new book, American Refugees, is now number one in the local politics category on Amazon two months before publication. Roger Simon, thank you for joining us again. Pleased to be here as usual. Roger, Trump raised over $7 million after getting his mugshot taken. How is that photo affecting his campaign? I think it's probably a net positive, but it's certainly affecting his bank account. <laughs> I mean, I ordered one. I don't know anyone who didn't. It's probably the great souvenir of 2023. It'll probably decorate more more bathrooms than anybody in anything known to man. <laughs> right. I mean, there's versions of the mug, uh, the mugshot mug, um, that have make him look bad, and there's some that make him look good. Um, yeah. Well, as, and there are as many as feelings about Trump, as we all know. I mean. Uh, you know, exactly. there's some people who hate him more than Hitler and other people who like him more than Jesus. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Exactly. Now, Representative Andrew Ogles, a Republican from Tennessee, said the mugshot was, uh, has become a, quote, rallying cry for uh, Trump supporters. Why do you think he said that? Well, first of all, I know Andy very well, and uh, he's my congressman, as it happens. 
uh, also a friend, and he, he said that probably because it makes him look good. <laughs> That's what congressmen do. Yeah, I think it could be a bit of a—it is a rallying cry for some— but that's why congressmen who are political animals say what they say. Let's be let be honest. And why does it make him look good in your mind? Because you know, it, 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 this is um, the legal system turned into politics completely. I mean, the the Georgia charges are using a RICO charges that are intended, you know, for the mafia, and they're ridiculous. And that, um, but the, I'm, I'm curious to know why Trump just uh, I learned online very short time ago has uh, shaken up his legal team in Georgia. So I don't know what that means. Not usually good. Sure. <laughs> now, just I found out something interesting. There are Trump superstores. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, yes, but I haven't been in one yet because <laughs> yeah. it's not Christmas. Uh, usually, <laughs> they're Christmas stores. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I haven't been in one either. But Richard Klingman, owner of two Trump superstores in Myrtle Beach, said in his 40 years in retail, he's never seen anything like the demand for these uh, uh, Trump mugshot merchandise. Um, what's going on here? Uh, a, a massive fad that is motivated by people by a it was a clean acute assured in the interesting job by Trump of how he engineered that particular look on the mugshot, which was actually he must have thought about in advance and was brilliant. Secondly, what's going on is the usual fad and it's today's hula hoop. Sure, got it. And then <laughs> what about the fact that Trump didn't show up? At the GOP debate, um, how is that affecting his campaign? Oh, why would he? That that is the, the no barrier question. Because basically, if you're ahead by forty points, why do you go to a debate? No, no reason at all. He won't go to the next one either, and we don't know if he'll go to the third one, which I gather scoop will be in Alabama. All right, Roger Simon, director of the Presidential Roller Coaster 2024. Thank you. Coming up, President Biden writes that his economic policies have helped black Americans on the anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And the IRS is freezing a new retirement plan contribution rule for two years. What it means for seniors and more in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Tropical storm Idalia is gaining strength. The National Hurricane Center says it will form into a major hurricane before hitting Florida on Tuesday or Wednesday. Here's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. 90 miles south of Cuba, uh, tropical storm Idalia continues to gather strength. It will become a hurricane today, uh, and it is forecast to reach landfall as a major hurricane, a Category 3. As of today, Idalia has maximum sustained winds of 60 miles per hour. Fears are high that the storm could bring life-threatening surges and flooding. DeSantis has urged residents to have a plan and a stocked supply kit. Half of Florida counties have declared a state of emergency. 
The White House says President Biden has approved the state's response to the tropical storm. And the latest on the Maui wildfire probe, Hawaiian Electric, says it did not remove any evidence related to the wildfire investigation. This is as it faces multiple lawsuits over the fires. The Washington Post was the first to report the utility may have removed evidence from the scene in Lahaina. But a spokesperson for Hawaiian Electric says the Post story is not accurate and that the utility is letting investigators access any equipment that was removed. The company is facing multiple lawsuits from people who say it should have shut down power lines ahead of the fire due to high wind and red flag warnings. The fires are to blame for 115 deaths and nearly 400 people are still listed as missing. The president today saying Bidenomics helps black Americans. Let's check some polls for how the people are seeing it. The Washington Post published President Biden's opinion piece on the 60th anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. In it, the president says he and Vice President Harris have advanced equity for all, and he specifically points out black Americans. He praises his economic policies and executive orders and writes that he and Harris are continuing Dr. King's work. It comes amid an Associated Press poll showing 62% of respondents disapprove of Biden's handling of inflation, while 34% approve. Another poll cited by Fox News reportedly shows 35% of black Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. And a spring Washington Post-Ipsos survey shows just 17% of black American respondents support Biden's re-election. Thousands of pilots allegedly lied about their medical conditions. Many might not actually be fit to fly. This reportedly affects cargo planes, but also commercial airlines. Here are the details. The Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA, is reportedly investigating 5,000 pilots who might be unfit to fly. That's according to the Washington Post, which reports that the pilots in question are veterans who used to fly for the military. Thousands of pilots allegedly failed to disclose to the FAA that they collect veterans' benefits for disabilities. Those disabilities could render them unfit to fly. But disclosing them to the FAA is required by law. Out of the 5,000 pilots under investigation, 600 reportedly fly for commercial airlines. The rest fly cargo planes, corporate clients, or private tours. Experts say not disclosing health problems poses a serious danger. But pilots say the FAA's mental health policies are too strict and counterproductive. Some warn that the system discourages pilots from getting help for mental health issues. The director of aviation at Ramos Law in Colorado said on the issue, It's just absolutely brutal. You can't go see a therapist. You can't go see a counselor. You are constantly worried about not only losing the certificate in your pocket and the ability to feed your family, but I'll be very honest with you, you're going to lose your identity. He says those standards are largely at fault for the pilot shortage. The FAA issued a statement on the issue saying the FAA encourages pilots to seek help if they have a mental health condition, since most, if treated, do not disqualify a pilot from flying. The administration also says it already implemented changes to eliminate stigma around mental health issues in the aviation community. The IRS is extending 401k tax breaks for high earners by putting a two-year freeze on a controversial new rule. What could that mean for you? Two more years of tax deductions on 401k contributions. The new Secure 2.0 Act applies to people with Social Security wages above $145,000 in the year before. 
It's for people participating in 401k, 403b, and 457b plans. When this rule goes into effect, catch-up contributions for that group will no longer be counted as pre-tax contributions. Instead, it will count as after-tax contributions to Roth IRA accounts. But if you're 50 or older, you're exempt. The American Retirement Association is one of over 100 organizations that demanded a two-year delay in implementing the new rule, which would have started in 2024. But the coalition wrote to the U.S. House in June, saying many among them would not be able to adapt their systems so they could not implement the rule quickly enough. The IRS says the freeze will help taxpayers transition smoothly to the new requirement. When we come back, Chinese property developer Evergrande takes a nosedive. With shares down, the company has lost $2.2 billion, or about 80% of its market value. Could the ceiling fan be going the way of gas stoves? The Biden administration is now saying those fans waste too much energy, causing pollution. And a Biden administration official could lower the amount of alcohol the government recommends Americans consume. We'll have the details soon when we return. A popular item for cooling things down finds itself in the hot seat. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story on the Biden administration's proposed new rules for ceiling fans. The Department of Energy has come up with some new rules that would impose energy efficiency standards on ceiling fans. The move follows similar restrictions unveiled against other household appliances like gas stoves and generators. The agency estimates that consumers could save around 4 bucks per year with its new guidelines. While manufacturers may have to shell out about $87 million annually in increased equipment costs, the DOE's ban on gas stoves also projects meager savings for consumers, a figure recently updated to an even lower amount. The Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers says the original proposal to save consumers 13 cents per month in utility costs has been revised to just nine cents per month. At that figure, the projected savings will come to just about a buck a year. Republicans from the House Committee on Small Business are criticizing the proposal, highlighting the harms it would have on small businesses in the ceiling fan industry. They say the rule would force many small business fan manufacturers to redesign their products and could put between 10 and 30 percent of them out of business altogether. The DOE says the proposed standards wouldn't take effect until 2028 and would give people more energy-efficient options to choose from while substantially reducing air pollution. Around 85 million American households use at least one ceiling fan, with a quarter using four or more. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. A Biden administration official says the U.S. may further limit the number of alcoholic drinks it recommends Americans consume and could even follow Canada's example. George Koob is the director of the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. He told the Daily Mail there are no health benefits to drinking alcohol and that federal recommendations are not likely to increase the amount of recommended drinks, but could decrease them to be on par with Canada's recommendations. Right now, the U.S. recommends no more than two drinks a day for men and one a day for women. In Canada, the recommendation is no more than two drinks per week. 
U.S. recommendations are up for review in 2025. Republican Congressman Troy Nels told Fox News that Washington has no business advising Americans on alcohol consumption. He called it part of an effort to control every aspect of people's lives. The Distilled Spirits Council's vice president of science and health said officials should have scientific backing before making new recommendations. China's property woes continue. Shares of indebted Chinese property developer Evergrande fell nearly 90% on Monday. Here to discuss the situation surrounding Evergrande is my friend and colleague, NTD Business's Don Ma. How are you, Don? I'm good, Chris. Yourself? Pretty good. Tell us what happened here. Sure, Chris. Uh, so Evergrande resumed trading on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Um, actually, trading of the stock was suspended uh, for about 17 months since uh, March 21 of 2022. So if Evergrande didn't resume trading, it could have faced a possible delisting actually from the exchange. So that's because a company whose shares have been suspended for 18 months faces this possible outcome um, on, on the exchange. So the, the company resumed trading um, after it said it had fulfilled all the conditions by the Hong Kong Stock, Stock Exchange. But as you mentioned, Chris, its shares fell as much as 87% today. Uh, it's literally becoming a penny stock. It, it lost $2.2 billion or almost 80% of its market value. Why did its shares fall so much, Don? Well, Chris, I think it just shows um, the level of confidence among investors uh, surrounding the company. You can basically see this as a vote of confidence. But, you know, aside from that, the company is also delaying crucial restructuring meetings with international creditors in Hong Kong. Evergrande delayed the meeting for, for about a month where creditors were supposed to vote on its restructuring plan. So this is also adding to the uncertainty over this plan. But, you know, other than that as well, Evergrande also reported uh, its January to June losses, which, which was about $4.5 billion. Evergrande still the most indebted Chinese property developer. And let me just put, put this into perspective for you of how much their shares have fallen. The company has now lost 99% of its market capitalization since its peak in 2017. And, and by the way, Chris, resuming trading is actually a crucial step for, for the company um, to, to restructuring its offshore debt. But, you know, it seems like it's not off to a good start. Wow. Will this company be able to continue operating in the future? Well, I certainly hope so. Evergrande said its ability to continue will depend on a successful restructuring plan and successful negotiations with lenders on repayment extensions. But, you know, I don't know how happy creditors are going to be when you delay your restructuring meetings just hours, actually, before it was supposed to start. Um, Evergrande needs approval from more than 75% of, of the holders of each debt class to actually approve the restructuring plan. Some analysts are saying that the reason for the delay is actually because Evergrande didn't feel like it had enough votes. And, and the fact that your shares fell 87% on the first day of resuming trading probably doesn't help with getting votes either, either Chris. All right. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Coming up, the U.S. seeks a short extension to a long-standing science and tech agreement with China. That's despite some lawmakers saying it's not safe. 
And the founder of tech giant Foxconn announces his bid for Taiwan's presidency. How good are his chances in the next election? More shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. The judge set the trial date in Trump's federal election case March 4th, 2024, the day before Super Tuesday. Special counsel Jack Smith proposed a trial in January, while the Trump team wanted April 2026. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says a possible impeachment inquiry into Biden is, quote, a natural step forward. He pointed to alleged evidence related to the president's family business dealings. And Hurricane Idalia is on track to hit Category 3 before hitting Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis urges residents to stock up and make evacuation plans. The United States is seeking a short-term extension to a long-standing science and technology agreement with China. U.S. lawmakers have intellectual property theft concerns. The landmark agreement was first signed in 1979 and set a framework for the United States and China to cooperate on scientific research and technology development. The pact has been renewed every five years and was set to expire August 27th. A U.S. State Department spokesperson said the short-term six-month extension will keep the agreement in force while the U.S. tries to negotiate new terms. The department said the deal provides consistent standards for government scientific cooperation. The agreement renewal is under intense scrutiny. U.S. lawmakers pointed out that it risks intellectual property theft and threatens national security. Former U.S. Chief Technology Officer Michael Kratzios, who worked on the last renewal of the Science and Technology Agreement, said that allowing it to expire would help refocus U.S. cutting-edge R&D investments into venues where they are far less vulnerable to being used against U.S. national interests. The House Select Committee on China has urged the U.S. government not to renew the agreement. Chinese Embassy spokesperson Liu Peng Yu said in an emailed statement that Beijing's views and positions on China-U.S. science and technology relations are consistent and that science and technology is an open business. And as China's economy struggles, the U.S. is reaching out. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo is in China for talks with senior officials there. She's the fourth Biden cabinet official to visit the country in the past three months. Here to discuss the visit amid souring U.S.-China relations is Antonio Graceffo, China economic analyst and author of Beyond the Belt and Road, China's Global Economic Expansion. Antonio Graceffo, thank you for joining us. Hey, good to see you, Chris. Antonio, talk to us about the overarching state of China's economy. China's economy right now is about the worst I've ever seen. Um, we have FDI is at, is at a multi-decade low. Uh, exports are down. Uh, factory activity is down. We're seeing price deflation. We're seeing uh, factory gate price deflation. Uh, very high youth unemployment. And we know Evergrande's share price, I believe, just dropped about 80 percent. Yeah, that's right. The, um, the real estate sector is in even more trouble than it usually is. Of course, the debt increases every year, so we have this huge amount of debt in the real estate sector. Uh, we're starting to see some defaults, and we're definitely seeing uh, uh, drops in prices of real estate sector firms. 
And what role do souring U.S.-China relations play in all this? Well, I think part of the reason that the Chinese economy is in trouble is because of the U.S. restrictions on investment, increasing restrictions on investment, increasing restrictions on Chinese investment in the United States, uh, trade restrictions, and the chip ban. I think those are all playing a role. And we know that uh, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo is heading over there. Um, she's over there now. Uh, given the situation in China, what do we expect to come out of that? Well, I would imagine that they will have a meeting. They will say some nice things to each other. Uh, we will probably make some overture to make it look like we're, we're compromising. For example, a few universities were just removed from the entities list. So there's a few universities now that can buy our technology, but other companies still can't. Yeah, and I was just going to ask you about that. Um, what do you make of that move to remove these universities and other entities? I believe 27 Chinese entities have been removed from this list, restricting them from receiving sensitive U.S. technology exports. From, from my standpoint, I, mean, I, I think it's a mistake, but I think that for politicians who work in the field of international relations, they have a broader understanding of these things than I do, and I think that, that they probably saw that as some sort of a pawn that just wasn't very valuable. And they were you know, giving that to China as a show of good faith. But meanwhile, we're ratcheting up all the meaningful restrictions. Understood. Now, Su Tzu Yun, a senior analyst at Taiwan's Institute for National Defense and Security Research, has said that China's economic predicament was created by the CCP itself. Explain that for us. Absolutely. First of all, as soon as you have a communist economy, as soon as you have a non-market economy, you're going to have economic problems. By definition, communism causes market distortions. And we know that free markets grow faster and create a higher standard of living for people than any other type of, uh, of system. And what's China looking to do to take care of this economic situation? I am not sure what, what China's move will be. What I will say is that over the past just three, four months even, they've intensified the rules like the uh, foreign policy uh, legislation, the uh, national defense legislation, intelligence legislation, counterterrorism legislation. And all these things together are just making it less and less attractive for foreign companies to open in China or to take investment in China, which is driving away the FDI, driving down the, uh, you know, the job creation, driving down the exports. I just don't see how CCP policies are helping the economy. They're hurting it. Antonio Graceffo, thank you for your time. Thank you, Chris. The founder of major Apple supplier Foxconn is running for Taiwanese presidency. Terry Goh announced his candidacy today for the January elections. Goh is the fourth person to throw his hat in the ring, but his poll numbers before his announcement put him well behind the frontrunner, ruling Democratic Progressive Party's William Lai, who's currently vice president. The 72-year-old stepped down as Foxconn chief in 2019. He made his first presidential bid that year, but dropped out after he failed to win the nomination for Taiwan's main opposition party. Earlier this week, Gore made a second bid to be the KMT's candidate for the presidential election, but was not selected by the party. Gore has spent the past few weeks touring Taiwan and holding campaign-like rallies, fueling speculation he was planning to run as an independent. Gore must gather close to 300,000 voter signatures by November 2nd to qualify as an independent candidate, according to election regulations.
And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Coming up, a unique competition in Hungary, with husbands overcoming obstacles while carrying their wives on their backs. The winners share their secrets to victory. And in another fun race, swimmers in Copenhagen took to the waterways at night. The colorful glowing buoys made it a magical experience. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. People around the world are finding unique ways to amuse themselves this summer, including hunting for the Loch Ness Monster. But first, let's take a look at an unusual competition in Hungary. Couples in Hungary were racing through ditches and over hay bales in scorching temperatures. The catch? The husbands are carrying their wives on their back. A couple from Lithuania won this contest, the fourth of its kind. Fifteen couples in total raced through the 800-foot-long obstacle course. The winners say the so-called Estonian carry is the key to success, where the wife hangs upside down with her legs around the husband's shoulders, holding on to his waist. We kiss each other before the race and after the race, and uh, uh, I think that's the most important, to have a good uh, person in your life and do the things you do together, compete together, train together, make trips together, so we are, we are very happy. The contest is said to have origins dating back to the Viking Age. In modern times, the tradition is particularly established in Finland, where it's been a hit since the 1990s. Over to Copenhagen, night swimmers were going all out, with glowing buoys lighting up the city's waterways. Danes took part in a special race to swim more than a mile around the Danish parliament and the city center. The event is part of an annual occasion that takes place over two days in Copenhagen's harbor. Copenhagen Harbour has one of the cleanest harbours water in, in, in Northern Europe and I think that it's really important that we use it for leisure. To us, it's, uh, we're talking so much about how green spaces are important but blue spaces are important as well and that we can actually have swimmers swimming around in the harbour by night is perfect. I just swam the two kilometre around, uh, I forgot the coffee and I feel great. Uh, it was warm and uh, very warm and no, uh, no uh, currents. The night swim was not competitive, and lifeguards were on standby on bodyboards and in boats. From reality to the world of legend, a search for the Loch Ness Monster kicked off in Scotland. Hundreds of volunteers took part in what is the biggest search for Nessie in more than half a century. Around 100 people were on site in the Scottish Highlands scanning the murky lake, with another 300 signed up to monitor an online live stream. Participants flew drones fitted with infrared cameras over the lake and detected underwater sounds using hydrophones. We did hear something. We heard four distinctive whoops. I don't know that's the best way I can describe it to you. Um, we all heard it. It wasn't just me, thank goodness. It was on the speaker system. We all got a bit excited. We ran <laughs> to go make sure that the recorder was on uh, and it wasn't plugged in. And that was my fault. I tested that equipment before I came on the boat so I knew it was working so I didn't turn it on. So when we ha I know, it's classic, classic. 
In 2019, scientists analyzed DNA traces to rule out the presence of large animals such as dinosaurs, concluding that the fabled Loch Ness Monster could possibly be a giant eel. What are electrolytes? How important are they? And where do you get them from? Let's hear from Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. Are you getting enough electrolytes? How do you replace your electrolytes? And what's the best way to get them? It seems like a lot of people throw around the word electrolytes, but do we actually know what they are? Electrolytes are electrically charged minerals or compounds. They are found in your blood, tissues, urine, and other bodily fluids. There are six electrolytes, calcium, chloride, magnesium, phosphate, potassium, and sodium. Levels of electrolytes fluctuate as the amount of water in your body changes. Ideally, the amount of water you consume should equal the amount you lose or eliminate. You can upset this balance by, say, sweating excessively and not drinking enough water. Other things that can cause your water balance to change are the use of some medications. Examples include steroids, laxatives, diuretics, vomiting, malabsorption due to digestive or intestinal issues, chemotherapy treatments, chronic respiratory problems, elevated blood pH, and kidney or liver problems. Electrolytes are important because they are involved in several life-supporting activities. These include regulating the fluid levels in your blood plasma and body, moving nutrients into your cells, transporting waste materials out of your body, keeping your body's acid base pH level in the normal range, enabling your muscle contractions including your heartbeat, transmitting nerve signals from your muscles, heart and nerve cells to other cells, helping your blood to clot and assisting in the formation of new tissue. Now you know why people are so adamant about getting enough electrolytes. Let's look at the symptoms of low electrolytes. The symptoms of low electrolytes may depend on which mineral is in short supply. Let's start with calcium. Low calcium may not cause symptoms, but if it is chronically low, you may see changes in your hair, skin, and nails. You may also experience yeast infections, leg and back cramps, and muscle irritability. Next is chloride. Low chloride can occur if you've experienced excessive vomiting or are taking loop diuretics. Next is magnesium. Low magnesium may cause abnormal heart rhythms and muscle cramps or spasms. Low phosphate may cause respiratory failure, heart failure, muscle weakness, seizures, and coma. Poor nutrition, use of certain diuretics, and alcoholism can cause low phosphate levels. Potassium. Low potassium may cause abnormal heart rhythms. Very low potassium can cause cramps, spasms, muscle weakness, and respiratory problems. And finally, sodium. Low sodium causes water to move into your cells. It is usually marked by thirst, but can also be accompanied by confusion, headache, lethargy, and personality changes. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers.